say, here's what you do. You tell God, you're making your decision. When are you going to make the decision? On Friday. Okay. God, on Friday, I'm going to Cross and Crown Lutheran Church, and that's where I'll have my internship. If you have a different idea, I'll stay in touch. Let me know. God only has about 100 ways where he can tell you. He's been doing it all his eternal life, and he knows how to get you there. If he thinks it's going to be a disaster, like with Joseph, oh my, Joseph is about ready to divorce the mother of Jesus. In the womb. Is God worried? Joseph is, God isn't. God gives him the answer, he obeys, and there's guidance. So I said to her, first of all, we've got to take it off your shoulder and put it on God. God's going to get you there. You're going to make the right decision. You don't have to worry. Not, there's no chance you can make the wrong decision if your heart is right toward God. So we'll take it off you. And on Friday, you're going to cross and crown, unless he makes it clear that you should go somewhere else. So how does that sound to you? That sounds good. I see that all the time with people. So I'm going to share with you. You know, sometimes you have a three-point sermon or four-point sermon. i got about a 15-point sermon today. Now, you don't have to take notes, but those who take notes are first in the kingdom of God. I didn't know if you knew that, but <laughs> you, 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 you get at the front of the, front of the line. So we're just going to go down the line here. The Bible talks about marriage, but it doesn't tell you who you're going to marry. The Bible talks about work, but it doesn't tell you where you're going to work. That's where we need the Holy Spirit. Guess what? The Holy Spirit lives within you. You have an internal GPS that is more accurate than a pillar by night and a cloud by day. Otherwise, the old covenant is better than the new covenant. Is the new covenant better or is the old covenant better? Jesus said you're going to have the Holy Spirit living within you. I carry around the GPS of God himself helping me find the way. So here's Paul going east, and he takes a step, and he feels a constraint. <laughs> I can't make, I can't get through. I guess I'm supposed to go this way. He goes this way, what happens? He gets a vision at night, all of Europe opens up to the gospel. God was leading him, and he was willing to say it wasn't a matter of eating too many tamales at night, but he, he, he felt the constraint of the Holy Spirit and it led him a different way. If you're open, I told a pastor who was wondering whether he should take a call here in the city. He's a good friend of mine. I said, there is no way you can make a mistake. And he said, what do you mean? I said, if your heart is open and you go this way, that's the wrong way, he's going to put pressure on you. And you'll feel it. He'll make sure you feel it because he doesn't want you to make a mistake. Is your reputation at stake? His is. He leads me in paths of for, for the sake of his name. His reputation is at stake in the way he leads you and me. So he will do it right. Look at me. Every time. Every. And it becomes a game. It becomes just fun. It's just fun to, to learn to hear God's voice. Israel used to say to me, 
I never hear God's voice. And he'd say it with anger. I never, because I'd talk. Okay, what have you heard God say? We had to say something in devotion. And he'd say, I never. He was angry when he said it. Does he now? Oh, my, does he? He hears his, he heard it. He heard with, his, with regard to his own baby. Learn to ask simple questions. Now, I know people who ask harder questions and they get answers. They ask, how many children do they have? And God tells them. They say, what are their names? And God tells them. I'm not there. But I've learned to ask simple yes and no questions, and I've discovered that it's right probably 80% of the time. Do we make mistakes? Yes. Should we make mistakes? Yes. Yes, we should. Because that's how we learn. We are not passive. We're not scared of making a mistake. And so sitting back and not making decisions. We're making decisions and we're going for it. We're taking risks. And God loves people who take, not stupid risks, but God-ordained risks. Example, Matthew 25. Investors, three investors. Two of them went and invested and they got a 100% return. How do you get a 100% return? You take some risks. You go for it. You take it all in, you put it here, and it's a little risky, but master, you gave me five, and now I have five more. Way to go, the master says. What happened to the third? He was afraid. He was afraid. Fear will cause you to be passive. There are a lot of young men who are afraid to get married, and they're passive. And I'm praying. We prayed. We went for a walk. Dave, uh, Dave went for a walk. I'm, I'm walking every Sunday. You can walk with me. Dave went with me, and we prayed for passive young men who need to move and pursue a wife. The Bible says he who finds a wife finds a good thing. If you find a wife, it means you're looking for one, right? I saw your picture, by the way. 34 years. 34, okay. Come on. Yeah. So you learn to ask simple, simple questions, and then just practice it, and you'll get good at it. You'll good, your, your, your hearing will get better. God, do you have anything for me today? God, do you want me to go here now to Home Depot? I hear a yes or a no. What step do you take? You take the next step. Here's a mother of four with one daughter who's got asthma, another daughter who is in special ed. She's paralyzed. The work has piled up. She's a single mom, and she doesn't know what to do. She goes to her mom because she just can't get moving. Here's what her mom says. This is, this is among the best advice that I've ever heard. Her mom says, do the next. That's wonderful advice. When you're paralyzed and you can't move, do the next thing. Okay, if it's if it's picking up picking up the poop, the poopy diapers, that's that's what you do. you do you do it. Be careful of passivity when it comes to guidance. 
Listening to God doesn't mean you've got it in neutral and you're like this. Listening to God is pressing into him. You're moving toward him. You're never passive because when you're passive, you'll do some stupid things. Listen to what Jesus said about the one who didn't invest. He put two words in the same sentence that I wouldn't necessarily put in the same sentence. You wicked and lazy. You were lazy and you were wicked. When you get lazy, when you sit back, David got lazy. He should have been out fighting. In the, year when, in, in the spring when kings go forth to war, David remained. Uh-oh. That could spell trouble. It did spell trouble. He got lazy, he got passive, and he got looking, and he got in trouble. So we're, we're moving toward God. We're not in neutral. We're pressing into God. We're listening. We're waiting upon him. Waiting upon him is not passive. So we take the, the next step. I pray for guys. I prayed for guys today that are paralyzed, that are, it's hard for them to move. They have fear. Okay, you have to just break through. You have to just break, do the next thing. What's the next thing? Well, it may be calling somebody. It may be asking a friend. Any, anybody that you can think of, it would be good for me. See, you, you do. You take the next thing. And that can, that can put you to the next thing. In understanding guidance, we need to understand something of the nature of God. Tell me about the God that you know. Different ones say little things about the God that you know. What's he like? Is he all the time? All the time he's kind. Ever pushy? Okay. Faithful? Always? Always. Always faithful? Never fails. Majestic. Always? Pardon? He perseveres? Mm-hmm. See, if you think about who God is, it will affect your ability to trust him because trust is absolutely necessary when it comes to guidance. Because if you don't trust, you'll ask him, okay, give me a fleece, and then you'll, you'll get a fleece, and then you'll mistrust yourself in the fleece because you're, you're thinking, well, I might get tricked. I'm, 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 I can't believe. It would have insulted me if Karas had showed distrust in me and said, I really, I'm not convinced you know where the pajamas are. I'm not convinced you can get me to the right place. I'm not convinced you even care about whether I get them or not. That, that would not be, it, she wouldn't think that way, but you do sometimes. Does God really want me to know? God really, why is God so silent? Why doesn't God show up? Why doesn't God say something? Why doesn't God help me? He helps everybody else. Everybody else can hear. Have you ever thought that way? Come on, I have. You probably have too. And we say things about God that it sounds more like the enemy. Satan's job is to, is to get you to compromise your love of God so that you begin to cast doubt on his character, which is what he did with Eve. Did God really say? And so you wonder, well, maybe he's punishing me for what I did last week or last month or 10 years ago. I don't have any idea what it is, but he's punishing me. He's trying to get even with me. And you end up with a monster 
And you may worship a monster, but you won't love a monster. And then guidance deteriorates because of your view of God. So it's really important to have a healthy view of a God who really, he, he loves, I just take his hand, and he loves to lead me. Question, does God lead mature people better than he leads new baby Christians? Don't, don't answer it quickly, because you might answer it wrong. In fact, just think in your heart. Which does God lead better? I'm going to answer it for you. God, it helps to know more about God. So there's a strength in maturity. However, if you think that maturity gives you any kind of independence, you're in trouble. Because God, Jesus said, thank you, God, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hid these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. If your growth in Christ makes you more dependent upon him, that's an advantage for you. Because then you're both mature and you know the, you know the mind of God through the word and you're more dependent. David was a good fighter. He knew how to fight. So when he comes against the Philistines, he says, what do I do, God? There's a good man. He's not relying on his ability, but he's relying on God. God tells him how to do it. They're going to come up the valley. You get him there. He won. Now he's coming at them again. So what does David do? Now I know. Mm -mm. He asks God. One of the greatest traps in guidance is presuming to know. How did the wise men presume to know? Big mistake. Their presu presumption led to the slaughter of innocent children in that whole region. They left the star, they went to Jerusalem because the king was born in Jerusalem because that's where kings are born. No. It says then when they, when they left, then the, the star went ahead of them again and took them to Bethlehem. They could have gone right to Bethlehem and have, have uh, th then there wouldn't have been a slaughter of innocent lives. Presumption will get you into trouble. If you presume to know because it was this way last time. So God gave, uh, gave David another strategy the second time he was going after the Philistines. This time he said, Wait till you listen to the rustling of the mulberry trees. This guy's a fighter. What is this all about? You wait for the rustling of the leaves. Well, that sounds like a, 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 a really good, good battle strategy. David was a kid when it came to his relationship with the Lord. And he's willing to accept that rather than to presume. If you presume, you're dead in the water and you're going to miss the will of God. But if you say, God, I know I've walked with you for 60 years, but I'm like a baby with you. Would you show me what you have for me now? And if you're a child, God will reveal it to you.
1 Corinthians 2. Let me read a passage for you here. 2.14 through 16. The unspiritual man does not receive the gifts of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man judges all things, but he is himself judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Now he's asking this question. Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? And the final phrase, but we have the mind of Christ. He's answering that question. Who has known the mind of the Lord? We have. We can. We have the mind of Christ. You have a renewed mind. You've put aside the fleshly mind, and you now have a mind that can apprehend the will of God. What a gift. So you have the ability to make spirit-led decisions. If you do it trusting in the spirit, you will, not always, but almost always. Did Peter ever make a mistake with regard to guidance? Made some big ones. He didn't see it coming with that the Gentiles were to be included. And he, he, was, he didn't have anything, any sieve to, to receive it. He didn't receive it. They, he's got a crowd of people. Okay, Peter, start preaching. And he, wasn't, he didn't know what he was there for. He was ready to preach to the Pentecost crowd of Jews, but he wasn't ready to preach to these Gentiles. God had to open it up and show him. And so he started to preach, and while he's preaching, the spirit falls. He had another time when he had a major glitch, and Paul had to correct him. So we'll miss it. We won't be 100% accurate, but we have the mind of Christ. And so all things being equal, most of the time we're going to, we're as, as we're subject to the Lord and open to the Spirit, we're going to be able to make God-honoring decisions. This is the Word of God. This is the will of God. Obviously, the better we, we know the Word of God, the better we know the person who is guiding us, who is taking us by the hand, the better we know the Good Shepherd, the better we know the Father that loves us, the more we'll understand his ways, and, and we'll be able to say, yeah, this sounds like God. It sounds like God is, God is in this. I don't know what point I'm on, probably about number 12. Here's a principle called the inside out. God is more concerned about what he does in you than where he takes you. I'm more concerned about the relationship. She needs pajamas, so fine, let's get the pajamas. But I'm concerned about the relationship. I'm concerned about what's happening between the two of us. Can God get you to China? God can get you to China. But first, God wants to put it in you. God's more concerned about what he's putting in you. What's the will of God? It's that I look like Jesus and that you look like Jesus. That's God's highest will. His highest will is not as related to a place 
as it's related to what's inside of you. And so his guidance will serve that purpose of doing his work inside your heart. Does he have a place? Does he have a, a will for you? A place? Does he have a person? Let me ask you this question. Think about it. Don't have to answer it because you, you can if you want, but it, I may have a different answer. So I don't mind if, if you know, we have different answers. What? Go ahead and go for it. Here, I'll, here's my question. You, you do it. Does God have a perfect will for you? For instance, does God have a wife, a wife? Does God have a job? Does God have a place? I've got an opinion. I'll give you mine. You're welcome to give me yours before if you want to. Pardon? Okay. Not necessarily. Sometimes. No, yes. Okay, good. We got a lot of options here. I'll give you mine. It's different from a lot. Jesus is our model. And Jesus says, I only do what I hear my father saying. And for Jesus, the father had a specific will. He had a specific direction. He did specifically what the father, he went to certain places. Here are a, is a whole group of sick people. Did he go to them all? No, he went to one blind man. No, one paralyzed man. That's what he did. Why? Because that's what the Father gave him to do. It's my understanding because of Ephesians 2.10. For we are the workmanship of God, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God planned in advance that we should walk in them, in those specific works that he's created to do. So if you don't feel he has a, a, that specific a will, it's okay with me. Many don't. Many books say that. It's not that specific. I say it is because of who Jesus was and how he walked and where to walk in that example. That there is one. Now, what happens if you go with plan B then? If, if he has this will and you take this, how does that work? I'll tell you how it works. The Bible says, be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. If I blow it here, does that mean I have to settle for some inferior plan? If we didn't believe in God, it would be. That's exactly what it would mean. But God takes even our messes. And here's my example of this with Naomi. I'm going to tell a story on Naomi. She was drawing a picture. You remember, Naomi, this story? And it, she, she was coloring, and she went outside the lines. And she's really good at coloring. And she went outside the lines, and she, uh, she started to cry because her picture was ruined. You cannot erase crayon, right? It smudges. It, they haven't invented the right thing to erase crayons yet. You can do it, Jeremy, and then you can make a lot of money and support my ministry, okay? So she came to me, and I said, well, give me a couple crayons. I'm not an artist. But I took those things that were outside the lines, and I weaved them somehow into the picture so that it no longer looked like a mistake. It was part of the picture. She dried her eyes. And what she thought 
was a mess up really wasn't. And that's what God does when we go outside the box, when we step outside the line, and we mess up his plans. Then God doesn't give us an inferior plan where sin abounds. Grace, aren't you thankful for that? That God takes our mess up, and that becomes fertilizer for a new plant that that rises up. That's, that's the power of the grace of God. That doesn't mean that obedience doesn't count. Obedience is important. And this is huge with regard to guidance. She had a heart to obey. If you have a heart to resist, if she had and she kept resisting me, I'm trying to get her to the, get her to the store, and she, no, it's, it's a, this way, it's this way, I know it is. Eventually, I would let her go which is what God does with us. If we keep resisting at a point, he'll say, okay. I remember when I was in college, and I wasn't there, but I, I had an, a step that I could have taken, and I felt God saying, be my guest. I shudder to think that he is that uncontrolling that if I want to walk out of his will, he will say, go ahead. That's, that's the way he is. He is uncontrolling. The only thing that he has to hold me is his love. And so if Chorus had done that, I would have come to the place where I said, okay, give it a try and to let her fail, let her do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's real good. That reminds me of my sister who was divorced by her pastor husband who left her and four kids. And, and then she contracted Parkinson's and was all twisted up. And I, I said, Ruth, as you, as you think of this and as you look back, how are you able to live with the reality of the devastation? Never forget a word. She said, I don't look back.
I knew what she needed. I wasn't indifferent to her desires. In fact, her desires spoke into my decision. There's a dance between you and heaven, and your desires have something to do with what God does. God gave me this house, and I marvel as I think about it, because I love to do landscaping, and he gave me a house where I could, and I can't get over how, how much that shows his love for me. I cannot get over it. Daily, I think about it. He threw in a tennis court. Are we rich? No, we're not rich. But we have a rich father who knew, knew our desire and cared about it. And so I know he knows me. And his guidance in my life is, uh, is the testimony that I belong to him. I don't guide the next door neighbor because there's no relationship. I don't guide their children. This is my child. And so I give guidance. I'm God's child. It says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. We prove we're in the family by the guidance of God. And I know that many of you are experiencing what I'm talking about and what I'm experiencing. My desire is that we'll experience it more and more. And I'll experience it at a deeper level, and you will too. That just what you experienced on Thursday night will be our experience with regard to guidance. That he shows how much he loves us by speaking to us, by guiding us, and by helping us to take the, the next step. So I want to I pray for you. Pray for you, and then I'll give the benediction. And then I want us to get in small groups. It could be a group of two, three, right where you are. Just spin around and pray for one another in this specific area. I know, for instance, John is praying about what his next step. Maybe some of you have a next step that you're anticipating, and you need help for that. So you can pray for, for one another. Pray that you can walk in the things that, that I have just been describing. Father, I thank you that you are so good to take us, that you've adopted us. We were on our own, and you brought us into your family. And now you're showing us how wonderful you are, how much you care for us. You're loving us. You're helping us. Lord, there are people here now who are looking for you to guide them, and, and your reputation is at stake. I pray that you'd make it so that they can see it, so they don't have to wonder, that they can rest in you and they can be confident in your holy will. I pray that by your grace, no one here will ever again take the pressure of knowing your will upon themselves. I pray that because you are good, they would continually uh, affirm that and walk in childlike trust. Forgive us where we have not done that. Forgive us where we have played God and taken it upon ourselves. We release it to you and affirm your ability. And so the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace.
the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay. A little twist. 